this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome back to Mutual Presents. I'm Jack Ward right here with my co-pilot for your passage to yesteryear, Penny the Cat. For episode two of season five, we return to one of my favorites in this series and certainly an influence for the Mutual stage, Mutual Radio Theater. Penny has her ballroom dress and I'm in my tux and we're headed down to see Fontaine Harris Hollywood producer and an international sport. So let's wind back those clocks as we enter the theater. This is Andy Griffith. Back in 1928, a couple of good old country boys named Fontaine Harris and Vernon J. Crawley were running some minor league con games throughout the South. Now, they, they never really hit it big. As a matter of fact, their schemes by today's standards were virtually harmless. Almost laughing. Anyway... One day, Fontaine got this bright idea. Why not form a fake movie company and sell worthless stock to the suckers? To give the scam a bit of authenticity, they brought Henri Garbo into the venture. It worked once in Kansas City, but the second time disaster struck as their next pigeon was a Chicago bootlegger, but he was rubbed out before they could make the deal, see? Yes, sir, it was time to go straight. Straight out of town as fast as Vernon could drive. They hightailed it toward Omaha with that added passenger, Millie Himmel. She was the departed gangster's bookkeeper who took $400,000 of his whiskey money as a bequest to meet expenses. Finally, they arrived in Los Angeles. But before we begin our story, let's meet some of the folks. I'm Fontaine Harris, and we're on the verge of a new era. Yes, sir, Bob. Talking movies are the coming thing. Ah, uh, shoot. Old Vernon J. Crawley, and those movies are nothing but a flash in the pan. I'm Millie Himmel, and this is the first time I've been west of Omaha. I am Henri Garbeau. I want to be a star of the silver screen, a matinee idol. I have savoir-faire. I have je ne sais quoi. Well, I ain't never going to sit next to you again. Idiot. I am Karl von Gerken, the famous unknown movie director. <laughs> These people are driving me crazy. I'm Ben B. Barron, and I've sold the B.B. movie studios to Fontaine for $20,000. Was he taken for a ride? We were almost on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> what a sucker. I'm Lola LaRue, the feminine fatal. I'm the biggest star in B.B. studio. Oh, mon dieu. She's terrible. That voice. It's like nails on a blackboard. We're going to get taken this time. That movie studio ain't nothing but a money pit. And the worst part, B.B. Brain refuses to make talking pictures. Now, don't you worry, fellas. 
Tomorrow I am making some changes. Yes, sure you will. And that brings you up to date. It appears that Fontaine was outfoxed. Or was he? Stay tuned, because that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, Fontaine Harris, Hollywood producer, by Ken Gerard. Our stars, Jesse White and Hal Perry. As I told you, in 1928, the Ben V. Barron Studios were on the verge of bankruptcy. But wild horses couldn't stop Fontaine Harris from investing. He gave B.B. $20,000, and B.B. gave them the gate. It was a depressed group that met in Vernon's hotel room the next morning. I can't believe a 20000 right down the drain. Henri Fontaine got snookered. Incroyable. Monsieur Bibi wants to make silent movies about cowboys. Cowboys performing car tricks. Silent car tricks. Eh bien, are there noisy ones? Oh, that's amusing. A $20,000 joke. Well, what should I tell him? Uh, <laughs> good morning, Fontaine. Well, how are y'all this morning? Order breakfast, Vernon? Why are you in such good mood? Vernon, please. Um... Uh, the boys told me that you spent some money. <laughs> Made the investment of a lifetime. We're going to strike it rich. It's the beginning of our fortune. Uh-huh. Millie, we are on the ground floor of a new industry. More like the basement. Oh, come on, Vernon. The Ben B. Barron Studios are a gold mine, I tell you. But that man, that Bibi Brain, he threw us out of his office and off his property. You don't say. Well... Mr. B.B. is on for a big surprise. Remember, I own 75% of his outfit. We're going to make some changes, starting with films and ending with the board of directors. It don't sound good. We can't make a movie. Oh, now hold it, Millie. I don't want to hear any more negative talk. Now listen, folks. Will you trust me? Talking movies are the common thing. So why hasn't D.W. Griffith made one? Well, let me finish. Times are a-changing. It's 1928, and we are on the verge of a conceptual breakthrough. I salute you. We will have the greatest movie company of them all. Yeah, sure we will. I don't know. Okay, okay, count me in. I can always go back to Chicago and wait on tables. Oh, it's about time I'm starved. Ah, good morning, y'all. Ron Gherkin, I should have known. Well, come on in. Oh. Also, what's eating him? Probably a tapeworm. Well, what's happening, Carl? Oh, I bring some bad news. Just what we need. Bibi is going wild. He stops production and all the westerns. He fires the Indians, sells the horses. Cowboy Conrad is no longer on the set. Well, sounds like good news. Maybe that movie was a bomb and Conrad the pilot. <laughs> but this one is worse. Bibi produces it, directs it, and is <laughs> also the star. I knew it. I knew it. It's only the beginning. Will you hush up, Vernon? Now, give it to me slowly. Your money is gone. Wasted. 
I tell you, the studio is finished, kaput. <laughs> he is making Son of Shakespeare with Lola LaRue. That man has the bard, Junior. <laughs> I want to throw myself under a speeding typewriter. Who's Shakespeare? I tell you later. <laughs> Lola LaRue, the one who speaks through her nose. <laughs> Correct. She cannot sing or dance. For her, walking is an intellectual experience. Hey, ain't she the blonde, the beautiful blonde we've seen filming the scene? Mm -hmm. You know, the one with the engine? Yep. She almost got killed last week in a battle of wits. Oh, we got to stop this madness. I won't let 20 big ones go up and smoke. Ah, this could be a blessing in disguise. Ah, oh, come on, Fontaine. Admit it. You bought the Brooklyn Bridge. No, sir. I got him just where I want him. Sure, it looks bad, but it ain't. Old B.B. is so busy, he'll never know what hit him. Well, you do own the majority of the stock. You could vote him out. It is your company. Our company, Millie. Millie, we're going to get you a job at the Baron Studios. Me in movies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not that glamorous. I do have nice teeth. I did have the lead in my junior high school pack. <clears throat> Honey, I want you to work as a bookkeeper. Star? Oh, sugar, didn't you do Big Al's accounts? Yeah. Were you a bootlegger? No. Well, that's what I mean. You can keep an eye on the movie company's finances and still be your own woman. Now, ain't that super? Oh, I guess so. But it don't sound right. <laughs> oh, good girl. I knew I could count on you, Millie. Now, Vernon, I want you to romance Miss LaRue. How about it? Oh, sure thing, Fontaine. Carl? Yeah? You and Henry start planning some new pictures. Oh, good. Talking movies. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm going to make some changes. We're going to hang old B.B. with his own rope. <laughs> and here's Fontaine's in a whole peck of trouble. Fabulous B.B. not only has taken his money, but plans to produce, direct, and act in Son of Shakespeare. Somehow it doesn't sound like a quality film. Quiet on the set. Scene seven, take two, and action. The Lord Falcon Bridge. Welcome to my humble mansion. Yonder chambers have been set for thy party. I am Billy Jr.'s wife, Cornelia. Has the journey been tough? Prithee, take a cup of the grape with us. Cut, cut. It's a wrap. Wonderful, my angel. Oh, of course. I'm a pro. Take five, everybody. Bravo, Lola, bravo. You have such a sense of the drama. Of course, it's in the blood. Oh, brat, they're coming this way. Lola, be very nice to these people. Important investors. Uh. Ah, Dr. Harris, what an unexpected pleasure. And this must be your charming mother. What? what? Uh, no, no, Miss Himmel, may I present the fabulous Ben B. Baron? Not really. Oh, I like your hat. Is the bird alive? A regular Buster Keaton, ain't you? <laughs> it's really exciting to be on a real movie set, isn't it, Millie? Just well. And this must be the beautiful Lola LaRue. Of course. My, my. You're heavier in person. Of course. Well, well I'd like you to meet one of your biggest admirers. Uh, Vernon, uh, say hello. <laughs> oh, Vernon. Vernon, stop drooling. 
Can I have your autograph? That's if she can spell. Millie, please. Ah, uh, movie stars sure have a strange effect on people. Especially Lola, the most talked-about woman in Hollywood. You better believe it. Lola, why don't you take Mr. Crawley and Miss Himmel on a tour of the studio, huh? Dr. Harris and I have a little uh, uh, business to transact. Of course, this way. I'll see you later, folks. Now, Vernon, you behave yourself. Uh, uh, what an actress. That's what everybody's asking. How true. Yet this movie will catapult her into a new dimension. Lola is the toast of two continents. Greenland and Australia? <laughs> I understand you've canceled all the westerns. Oh, absolutely. From now on, we go into big-budget films. Hard-ticket productions. Why, Son of Shakespeare is on to three figures already. Dr. Harris, the ceiling's the limit. Sounds real progressive. I like your thinking, B.B. Stick with me, kid, and you wear rhinestones. Seems I made a right fine investment. Naturally. We will lead the industry. We will produce only the finest silent movie. Uh, yeah, uh, that troubles me a bit. It appears the rest of the people, uh, first artists and some of the others, are going the other way. Let them. Dr. Harris, they'll never perfect talking movies. Well, it's possible. It's possible. Give the people what they want. Silent movies with titles and lots of piano playing. Mm. I'm going to make a fortune when the rest are starving. Uh, I wonder if you could do me a favor. Want me to fix you up with some uh, starlings? I'll say what? Movie starlings and girls. <laughs> I appreciate it, but no thanks, B.B. But could you find a job at the studio for Miss Himmel? Uh, as an actress? Golly, no. Poor Millie, she's so shy. I thought she could work in the office, perhaps. You know, record-keeping? She used to be a file clerk, you know. Oh, absolutely, no problem. My company is always open to relatives. We'll put her in accounting. Well, that's mighty nice of It'll sure keep her interested. Uh, Fontaine, hey, Bubba, this place is something. Yeah, have a good time, Vernon. The best, <laughs> Thanks to Miss LaRue. Of course. I gave him the whole shot. Commissary, prop room, both cameras. Well, sounds fantastic. Millie, Mr. Barron says he might have a job for you in the bookkeeping department. Swell. When do I start? Uh, tomorrow. Any girlfriend or relative of Fontaine Harris is welcome in my studio. Miss LaRue says I can visit her any time, even watch her on the set. Of course. Ah, that's right, fine. I think we accomplished a whole lot today. B.B., with you in the driver's seat, I think this company's in for some very interesting moments. Oh, I love it. Dr. Flattery will get you everywhere. However, we must get back to work. Places, everybody. Let's get back to roll now. Lola on the set, makeup, wardrobe. Excuse me, we have an epic to crank out. Come around anytime. Anytime. <laughs> well, what do you think? I think he's a walking disaster. Now, if I don't move quickly, we could lose the whole 20,000. Now, come on, Millie. We got us some strategy to crank out. C'est triste. We have been outmaneuvered. Bibi is too smart for us. Pass the salt, please. Sure. Poor Fontaine. I mean, I tried everything, just like he said. And now the pepper, here. I went through their books. I listened. I snooped. The company is really broke. Well, we try another industry. Perhaps real estate. We forget the movie business. A wild scheme. Not for amateurs. Eh bien, this chicken is terrible. 
No taste. Here, Henri. Try it, please. Well? It's no good, huh? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> you know, they do not know how to cook in Los Angeles. Yeah, I told you. I could make it really tasty and crunchy. Mm, mm. I could make the bird crunchy. You're worrying about food, and we're faced with a crisis. Well, I pick up the habit from Vernon. Vernon! Oh, where is he? Oh, Vernon! Oh, Millie, oh, don't. I want like it was. I want all of us together again. I cannot digest when women cry. <laughs> it was the best time of my life, being shot at, chased by Lou the Knife, almost killed in an airplane. Now I'm back in accounting. Give it to the window, credit to the wall. I hate it. Ah, ma chérie, I understand. <laughs> and Vernon's with that blonde floozy. He should be here overeating. He will come, believe me. Why don't you go out and spend some money? Take a couple of thousand, buy a car, buy two cars. No, I can't drive. Buy a house. What? In two floors the rest of my life? Skip it. Why not purchase some land? It always makes you feel better if you earn something. Yeah, sure. You know, there's a beautiful orange grove just up the street. <laughs> Très bien. Uh, the smell of orange blossoms. You mean the old Bailey Orchard in Beverly Hills? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, they have been trying to unload that for years. The trees are oranged out. The land is worthless. I like it. Besides, it overlooks the ocean. Yeah, well, everything overlooks the ocean if you have a 90-foot tower. Let her do what she wants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, the real estate agents are as thick as bootleggers. Oh, I'm not going to do it. It's a waste of money. Oh, I'm a fly. Oh, no, no, no. It will be all right. Please, do not cry on my jacket. How y'all doing? I guess we're just in time for lunch, eh? What's that? Fried chicken. Oh, sure. That ain't the worst stuff I ever did see. Look at that. Well, they just don't cook southern out here. Yeah, yeah. I agree. The bird lacks crunch. Mm. A crunchy chicken. Well, we might be on the verge of another conceptual breakthrough. And I'm on the verge of a breakdown. Because of the chicken? Dummy. Oh, now, what's wrong, sugar? Oh, everything. Let's get in the airplane and get out of Los Angeles. Oh, now, hold on, Millie, honey. It ain't as bad as you think. I tried to tell her that, but I don't believe it. We know... The investment is fini. No sorry, Bob. Vern and I figured just what we should do. Old BB's days are numbered, I tell you. I got him nailed to the barn door like an old skunk. Now, how about some lunch? I'll explain everything while we're stuffing our faces. Ah, huh? dang, here we go. <laughs> While Fontaine and company are busy planning to take over the studio, another meeting is being held across town. OBB knew something was brewing, and as they say, the plot thickens. Lola, my dearest, what have you been able to wheedle out of that country bumpkin? Nothing. That hayseed, Vernon, is just a hayseed. I don't trust him. Dr. Harris is a shrewd one. And smart, too. I love it when you're perceptive. Of course. Call it women's institution. 
You know, perhaps Vernon is the real brains behind that group. Vernon? All he thinks about is his next meal. It could be a trick. Sure is. I don't know how he keeps from exploding. He eats like a whale. You didn't tell him about our new movie, did you? Oh, come on. He's only got eyes for me. He's not the brains. Hmm. Then it has to be the Himmel woman. They're using her as a plant. Oh, sure. An indoor plant. Lola, if you weren't so beautiful. Yes? Well, afternoon, B.B. Ah, Dr. Harris, the pleasure is all yours. My dear, Mm -hmm. uh, could you leave us for a moment? Naturally. Business meetings bore me. I'm going for a manicure. See you later. Quite a talent. (laughs) Mostly undiscovered. Yes. And she's going to add a new dimension to Hollywood? Well, it sure won't be her hat size. (laughs) I suppose you're here to discuss something else. Another friend on the payroll. Ah, those Hollywood starlings. As they say, love makes the world turn around. Yes, B.B., I've been doing some poking and probing. (laughs) Bet you have, eh, Doc? Well, seems my investment is on some pretty shaky grounds. Oh, really? Yeah. It appears that funds are being diverted into special projects like fancy cars, jewelry. Shocking. I'll conduct an investigation. We'll fire every non-relative in the department. I won't have this in my studio. Come off it, B.B. I know the whole story. You're skimming the gravy right off the top. Oh, it's my company, my studio, my way of running things. With our money. Now, Bubba, we bailed you out once, but not again. Dr. Harris, I own 75% of this company, and I'll do exactly what I want and when I want. Uh, No, sir. You're so busy getting things backwards that... You don't remember what you signed. Seventy-five percent. The deal was $50,000 for 25 percent. But you knocked me down to $20,000 for... For 75 percent. Here's the paper to prove it. It's a forgery, a fraud. I'll take you to court. Now, now, listen up, B.B. You're finished. Through. I'm taking over the studio, changing the name, packing you and your relatives up and out. You can't do this. I've sunk some of the best months of my life into this company. Oh, sure you have, and I appreciate everything you haven't done. I thank you. Millie thanks you, and generations of unborn movie makers thank you. Oh, I appreciate the compliment. B.B., I don't want to fight with you. It's only that we gotta go our separate ways. And I thought we understood each other. Oh, we do. It's been a right pleasure. You are the apex of limited conceptions. You really think so? Well, I'll put it in writing. Would you mean so much to my mommy? B.B., to show you I'm a square shooter, I would like to buy your 25% of the studio. Really? How much? One dollar. What? Are you crazy? I want $50,000, cash. I knew it. You're a tough one. Well, we'll have a stockholders meeting to settle this. Now? Well, good a time as any. All those in favor of Ben B. Barron's resignation say aye. 75% say aye. This is illegal. I'm sorry, you're out, B.B. All those in favor of Fontaine Harris as chairman of the board say aye. 75% say aye. Wait a minute. Let's make a deal. A compromise. Uh, too late. You had your chance, B.B. Meeting's adjourned. Why me? What's so special about this studio? Well, let's just say I like the atmosphere. Five thousand. Ah, can't do it. Please. Lola likes expensive toys. Yeah, like the Armand Cape or the Stutz. Tell you what, B.B., I'll buy your stock for a thousand. Done. A sign right here. 
Well, now, thank you. It's a real pleasure doing business with you, B.B. Come around anytime. <laughs> anytime. The special meeting of the Ben B. Barron Studios will now come to order. Oh, Fontaine, is it really ours? Every last inch. I propose we change the name to Amalgamated Kinescope. Well, sounds good. All in favor? Aye. Aye. I propose we cancel the hit flop, Son of Shakespeare. Aye. Aye. I propose we throw darts at B.B.'s portrait. Aye. Aye. <laughs> All right, now, let's simmer down, folks. We got a long road ahead of us. Oh, nothing can stop us. We will make grand cinema. We will talk. We will fight. We will love. I, Henri Garbeau, will be the matinee idol's idol. Oh, what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah, what's next? Yeah. C'est vrai. Mon Dieu. We are the them of them. When people say, ask them if it is all right, it means us. Well, maybe, maybe we acted too hastily. I mean, we're employers. It's right different. Sure. I've been so used to taking orders that I don't know how to give them. Yeah. What have we done? Fontaine? Well, first of all, we're going to stop worrying. Oh, that's easy to say. It was easy to say. Now we've got responsibilities. Vernon, if you worry, you just can't think straight. And pretty soon you'll, you'll be all knotted up like long hair in a tornado. Now, I want you to be concerned instead of worried. Well, sure, it's all the same. No, it ain't. I understand. We concentrate on our abilities. We solve the problems instead of make them. Uh, just what I was about to say. Oh, sure it was. Now, now wait a minute. If B.B. could produce movies, so can we. Uh, that's right. I'm just as smart as Ben Barron. Making films couldn't be that difficult. Matter of fact, it's what's like building a car. Why, shoot, Fontaine, I made that forward perfecto myself from nothing. And what is acting? <laughs> a lot. But we are on the verge of a new era. Talking movies. If I cannot perform, then I will direct you. Oh, Henri, you'll make a wonderful director. <laughs> I do have a bit of a flair. <laughs> Carl will help me, mais certainement. He has experience and talent. Yes, the future is quite challenging. When do we start? <laughs> Millie, honey, we just did. <laughs> Andy Griffith again, and here's the fourth act of Fontaine Harris, Hollywood Producer. The new owners of the studio are having their first story conference. And then, Arturo sweeps her into his arms, and they fly off into the sunset. <laughs> the end. Well, it's wonderful, no? Mm. Happy ending. Lots of good feeling. <laughs> well, I don't know, Carl. Seems kind of a... Predictable. I, I don't think it's a fresh idea. Yeah, it is a today concept. It has relevance. Absolutely. But, well, we should leave the pack. Be innovative. Okay, okay. 
We make unhappy ending. The plane crashes. Natürlich, we send thousands of women rushing from the theater, tears streaming down their cheeks. No, no, lovers should always walk out into the sunset. Or grow old in Florida. <laughs> oh, it's got to be a different way. Huggy kissy stuff don't appeal to the man. Why well, wouldn't Penn Nickel to see some gent get all misty-eyed? No way. I want action. I want romance. Suppose we make Arturo a flying florist. No, that won't work. You have a better suggestion? Yeah, that we don't argue. It reminds me of sitting at the dinner table, always bickering. No wonder I hate string beans. I'm sorry, Henry. Oh, it's nothing. I propose we scrap the project. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I know. Why don't we adapt a movie from a book? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Imagine if we did something from Edgar Allan Poe. Well, how do you know about him? Well, I know a lot of stuff. You want me to recite The Raven? Yeah, we'll take it under consideration. Uh, sure you will. Well, let's do something modern. You know, current situations. I think that we should look for, um, well, I don't know exactly, but we've got to be progressive. Uh -huh, D'accord. We work with unknowns, all new talent, unpublished authors. How can you be an author if you are not published? It's the effort that counts. Now, we can't decide anything this way. Vernon, you, Henry, and Carl, make up a list of possibilities. Shoot the word. Right. We'll have a meeting. <laughs> Maybe we should have secretaries take notes. Oh, <laughs> nine, nine, nine. That is a casting session. Sure, like the one in Kansas City. <laughs> Mary, Vernon, remember the feral twins? <laughs> oh, they were divine. And nice, too. Boys, please, Millie and I got to talk about finances. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, come on. I make some crunchy chicken in the commissary and we throw around idea. Ah, c'est bon. However, this time, we add more breadcrumbs to the batter. No, no, no. It, it, it needs more paprika. Fellas, please take it somewhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll be the same, you all. <laughs> Millie, 20 years from now, this will look like the Stone Age. How can you be so sure? And suppose you're wrong and we lose the whole thing. Would you stop fretting, girl? How are you going to ever function with that kind of attitude? It's my nature. At home, I was the designated worrier. Well, it shows. I'll tell you what. I give you permission to have a 15-minute nervous breakdown once a week. Be my guest. Do it, enjoy it, and get it over with. Girl, we are sitting on top of the world. Oh, Fontaine, I... I just think you're swell. <clears throat> Likewise. Now, how is our cash position? Oh, it hasn't altered a bit. I hired a new accountant. I'm grooming him to take over the bookkeeping department. Ah, great. That's just great. Now, listen, Millie. Part of the studio's assets is some real estate in the boondocks. I remember the orange groves in Waverly... Uh, no, Beverly Hills. Right. Now, why don't you check it out? Maybe we should get into the wholesale fruit business, maybe. Funny. I was thinking of buying land up there myself. All right. Go ahead. Take a couple of thousand. If it looks good to you, buy it. Wait a second. Uh, oh, I, I got this broker's card. Yeah, here. Hollywood Huntoon. An acre a day in the long run will pay. Right, all right. Now, just watch yourself. Don't worry. Maybe he's got some investment property, like an apartment house. Forget it. That's all I need. Tenants calling me up in the middle of the night. No, the best deal is land. It don't talk back. Come in. 
<clears throat> so, uh, I'm sorry to disturb you, Dr. Harris. I'll, 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 I'll come back in a couple of months. No, no, it's okay. It's, it's okay. I'll see you later, Fontaine. Yeah, sure enough. Well, I, I, I better go. No, 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 no. Sit down, Spell. I, uh, I didn't catch your name. Um, Ambrose Smith. Uh, <clears throat> Ambrose Smith. I work with the camera crew. I'm going. Oh, now, hold on. Now, just don't get nervous. I'm not going to bite you. Phoebe never let me sit there. Well, Mr. Barron's gone. Things are going to be different now. Tell me, what's on your mind? It's about the invention. Uh-huh. I need some more money, sir. Uh, what for? A uh, special camera? Lens? Well, that's part of it. <laughs> that's part of it, sir, yes. All right. Well, how about being specific? Now, how much you need? Fifty dollars, a hundred? Two thousand. <laughs> Say I'm, what? Say what? Sorry, I mentioned it, sir. Don't get mad. No, no, no. Hold on now. Just sit down. Don't yell. I'll cry. Well, and the gosh, man, I wouldn't. Now, 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 calmly and quietly tell me about the invention. Well, B.B. bought it for the studio. And I, I have an agreement to build and develop the image dissector. Now, what in heaven's name is that? Well... It's a photoelectric effect by which light can be converted into electricity. Heinrich Hertz discovered that ultraviolet light emits electrons, such as potassium, and this, coupled with the invention of the thermionic valve, and von Nipkow's rotating disc is the basis of my, well, really, your invention, sir. You see, it's possible to convert a series of gradations of light into electric impulses. Well, in 1908, Swinton developed a cathode ray, which... Oh, time, time, time out, hold it! Will you slow down? I'm sorry. All right, let's cut away some of the technical stuff. Now, just what does this invention do? It shows a moving picture in your home. <laughs> That's the wildest scheme I ever heard of. <laughs> you, you think I'm crazy, don't you? No, no, I didn't say that. I, I mean, we're fooling around with talking movies, and people still believe it's the devil's work or, or actors hanging around behind the screen. You're a little ahead of the rest of us. That's what B.B. said. Well, how much did he sink into this venture? Seventy-five dollars. And I had to buy all my own tools. Oh, that B.B. He throws money around like pianos. Look, Dr. Harris, home vision works. I can project an image on a receiving set. I'm inches away from perfecting it. Please, sir, I need the money for new equipment. Well, Ambrose, I don't know what you're inventing. However... I think I can spot an honest man when I see one. Tell the people in bookkeeping to make up a check, let us say, for $2,000. <laughs> Bring it in here and I'll sign it. <laughs> all right, now, 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 take it easy. <laughs> all, all right, Ambrose, you don't have to kiss my hand. Ambrose, cut it out. Now, stop crying. <laughs> yes, sir. From now on, I want you to have an office and a workshop at the studio. You're too good to me. Oh, for pity's sake, man, it's the least I can do for a $2,075 investment. Lola, would you stop painting your toenails? Should I paint yours? No, I want you to call that hayseed again. Oh, baby, it's not going to work. I want you to ensnare him. <gasps> nice girls don't do things like that. Your mother should have had the stork arrested. Why? For smuggling dope. Funny, funny. <laughs> I'm not the one who lost the studio. You're the one that's going to get it back for me. Vernon is interested in whipped potatoes. Lula, no man resists your charm. So I've been told. That backwoods Barrymore is no exception. We've a magic spell. 
I want a meeting out of your hand. That is disgusting. It was a metaphor. Don't get dirty. Lola, call Vernon. Cry on his shoulder. Tell him your troubles. The ingrown toenail? No. Make something up. Gain his confidence. Find out what's happening at my studio. Oh, you want me to be a spy? Yes. It'll be your greatest role. Oh, just like Matt or Harry. Right. Now, you make your call. I'll get my company back yet. Oh, no, no. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I'm gone for two minutes, and you're handing out money like it was sand. I made an investment. On what? A box that shows talking movies in the home? You crazy? You were picked clean. Vernon, I tell you, that now, man don't is say it. The... Don't. Fine. All right. Fine. Let's talk about something else. Fontaine, you're running wild, and the money's running out. Land sakes, will you stop worrying, boy? Just invest some of the money, like in the stock market. Yeah, people are making fortunes overnight. Why, the bellhop, you know, the skinny one at the hotel, why, he's worth two, three hundred thousand. The one with the western draw? I thought he wanted to be an actor. Not anymore. Fontaine, we're missing the boat. All we got to do is put up 10%. Mm. For $10,000, we can buy $100,000 worth of stock. Why, it's a cinch. I don't know. It just sounds too easy. One day, somebody's going to pull the plug. Hogwash. It's 1928. We're on the verge of... But the sky's the limit. Well, all right. I guess you got to test your wings sometime. How much you want? $50,000. Boy, that's a powerful lot of money. Well, if bellhops and taxi drivers can make a fortune, so can I. Well, all right, Vernon. I'm against it, but... All right, you'll have it tomorrow. This time, I want you to trust me. Oh, my... Story Committee has met and has some recommendations. You will love our ideas. Cinema Extraordinaire <laughs> and all talking movies. Action, romance, adventure. All right, lay it on me, fellas. First, <laughs> we make a western about a singing cowboy. Next, it's no good. Never make money, and who can find a saddle jockey that sings? That idea is absolutely the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this one you will like. We make a movie about the Civil War. Where the South wins. <laughs> Vernon, please. Idiot. Oh, all this excitement makes me hungry. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I found a new place to have lunch. The best Hungarian food on that block. Come on, Vernon, we chow down. Sorry, fellas, I'm going to a stockbroker. No, too bad. Fontaine, would you care to join us? Thanks, but I uh, I think I'd better stay here and reorganize the company. Yeah, and where is Millie? Well, out buying some land in Beverly Hills. Oh, well, we see you at dinner. Sure thing. Catch you later, boys. After you, my dear Carl. Yeah. <laughs> Today, goulash. Tomorrow, the world. <laughs> The Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. 
Tonight's original radio play, Fontaine Harris, Hollywood producer, was written by Ken Gerard and produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your host was Andy Griffith. Our stars were Jesse White and Hal Perry. Featured in the cast were Barney Phillips, Shepard Menken, Sandra Gould, Jack Crucian, and Shirley Mitchell. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliot Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CVI. Mutual Radio Theater has been brought to you by Sears, a name that means quality and value. A name that you can count on for service and dependability. Sears, where America shops for value. This is Vincent Price. Join us tomorrow. I'll have another story to astonish and mystify. This is Vincent Price. That sound you hear is the whir and chatter of the huge People's Revolutionary Identified Computer within the index division of the Soviet First Directorate, the KGB. The men who control Soviet international subterfuge employ their computer to win a desperate race against time. Their most highly prized British sleeper agent, since Kim Philby, has been compromised and is currently hiding in a safe house in London's Soho district, awaiting the formulation of an escape route back to Moscow. In their agent's brilliant photographic mind rests the details of the blueprint for a new American rocket system, a system about to be deployed by Western Europe's NATO defense forces. Unfortunately for the KGB, this vital information can only be obtained through the use of hypnotic drugs under the specific questioning of Soviet rocketry scientists. An escape route must be found before the British MI5 closes in on their agent. And that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, An International Sport by Bruce Martin. Our stars, Shepard Mankin. Antoinette Bauer and Larry Moss. Bright sunlight gleams off the frozen pond in the picturesque park on the outskirts of Moscow, where today is Sunday, the large oval pond would be filled with smiling children and adults of all ages skating for an afternoon's entertainment. But today is Tuesday, and the crowds are gone. 
The ice belongs to a mere handful of skaters. Musnapanatala, glide! That was not good. Bad, bad. Very unbecoming for a future people's champion. As you wish, Papa. Where are you going? Wait, wait! In Lenin's name, concentrate! Papa, our comrade will hear. Let him hear. I invoke Lenin's name with more respect than all the political commissars in Russia. Surely not with more respect than our own commissar, Karkov. With ten times more respect than that Lenin-quoting bureaucratic lackey. Papa, not so loud. You never know who is listening. Since we are standing all the way out in the middle of the pond, the only place for a spy to hide is under the ice. You were practically shouting. And you were not concentrating on your skating. You look stiff when you should be relaxed. You must display grace if you want to win the London tournament. Skating, skating. Always you think skating. The selection committee should send you to the London tournament, not me. I do not have your talent. Do you really think I will be selected to compete in London? Oh, I hope so. I have worked so hard. Of course you will be selected. Your potential is obvious to anyone, even your prejudiced father. Then there is something I must tell you before I go to London. We can talk freely out here, and the tournament is only two weeks away. You are in love. <laughs> How did you know? Ah, Natalia, you are the only child of a lonely man. I have noticed the signs for almost a year, but I could not figure out who the lucky man is. He is a skater, too. He lives in London. His name is Roy Ayers. London? Papa, I plan to defect during the London tournament. Dear God! Please, please, keep my voice down! My only flesh and blood will defect to the capitalists, and you want me to keep my voice down? Lower your voice before someone hears I you. I want them to hear. We are all children of the Russian earth. I love Roy, Papa. Ah, I see tears in your eyes, but you shed tears for the wrong reasons. A daughter should cry at the thought of never seeing Russia again, never seeing her father again. That is what defection means. Don't you think I know that? I cry for these things, too, especially for you. Head up, head up, head up. In case we are being watched. I'm sorry, Papa. But there is no other way Roy and I can be together. He will marry you? Yes, I think so. You think so, you think so. How do you know he even loves you? We have written to each other ever since we met at the Moscow Invitational two years ago. We knew the KGB would read our mail, so we devised a little game. When we wrote about our feelings for our skating coaches, we were really writing about each other. This whole idea is a stupid game. It is not a game, Papa. It is love. Oh, my sweet angel, in time you will forget him. I have not thought of any other man in two years. Mm. This Roy, he, he... He knows you? Yes, Papa. I refuse to permit this foolish conversation to continue. What will you do? I don't know. Papa, if you tell Commissar Karkov I plan to defect, I will never see Roy again and my skating career will be finished. You know how the KGB punishes defectors. I will not speak to Karkov. Not yet. Papa... 
Please try to understand. I love Roy. Uh, I'm going for a drop of vodka. I'll meet you at home later. Please. Papa. Enter. Captain Karkov, Section 9, Department M, reporting as ordered, Colonel. Ah, you brought your copy of Anatala Zinoviev's file? As ordered, sir. Be seated, Captain Karkov. Smoke? Thank you, Colonel. I see from Miss Zinoviev's file that you have been her political commissar for three years. Yes, I had already been skating things commissar for a year when Anatala was accepted. Then you were um, abreast of the situation. When Miss Zinoviev had her affair with the English skater, uh, Roy Ayers, two years ago. Yes, I was. Ah. Officers of the first directorate brought the incident to my attention, and I immediately informed the index division. Hence Miss Zinoviev's politically unreliable status. Huh? Yes, I scratched her name from next week's London tournament. I see her coaches believe she has champion potential. In light of Miss Zinoviev's affair with the English skater, I felt her defection during the London tournament would be a likely possibility. Miss mm. Zinoviev's continued correspondence with Roy Ayers supports your hypothesis. But, contrary to your recommendation, Miss Zinoviev and her father will both attend the London tournament. The father, too? He will question such an unusual appointment. Mm, you tell him the truth. We send him to keep an eye on his playful daughter. Hmm? Now, you will need them both to secure the safe return of one of our agents from England. I see. A political commissar accompanying the people's national skating team should not raise too many questions, especially considering the current wave of unfortunate athletic defections. Yes, of course. Who will be my contact? Jan Blake. Here. This is the bus number and the schedule where you two will meet. Memorize it. Knightsbridge, number 16. I have it. The People's Revolutionary Computer selected Anatala Zinovia for this assignment. Now, your orders are to see that she cooperates. What status will the Zinovievs travel under? Expendable. Your only concern is to get our agent out of England. By Moscow standards, Victor Zinoviev and his daughter Anatala live in a luxurious apartment. Their furniture is attractive, if somewhat spartan, with private bedrooms, a television set, and even a private bath. It is the proper status, accorded a member of the Soviet national skating team. However, Muscovites understand that political status in their country is spun from a fragile weave. One visit from their political commissar, Yuri Karkov, could change the Zinoviev's lives overnight. I'll get it, Anatala. Good evening, uh, Comrade Zinoviev. I hope I'm not disturbing you and your daughter. Oh, please come in, Commissar Karkov. Anatala, we have company. Ah, here she is. Good evening, Commissar. Oh, sit here. It is our best chair. Thank you. I suppose you're wondering what brings me out on a bitter night like this. 
the London tournament. So that is why you are here. Do tell me, was I selected? Yes, you and your father. Me? You will accompany Anatara to London as her personal skating coach. How fantastic! Uh, this truly has been a shocking day. Perhaps we could celebrate with a little tea. Yes, tea would be good. Right before my father and I take our evening walk. I will be back in a minute. Do you do walk every evening? We try. Comrade, I must speak with you a moment while your daughter is out of the room. Uh, uh, please speak frankly. You must wonder why you have been permitted to accompany Anatara to London. It is an unusual event, I think. Uh, frankly, we at the center are concerned over the recent tide of defections of uh, some of our people's athletes and artists. Uh, I... I uh, have heard the rumors. I can tell you they are true. I was hoping that you would be willing to keep a discreet eye on Anatala during the London tournament uh, to prevent any possible political embarrassment, unimaginable as it may be. Uh, don't worry, Commissar. Anatala will compete. Excellent. You may not know this. Your word is highly respected at the center. <laughs> You make an old man proud to be a Russian. Lenin said, give me a generation to train the children, and the seed I sow will never be uprooted. These defectors retard the inevitable victory of our beloved Lenin's principles. Defectors are bad seeds whose roots must be made barren. Tighten your scarf. You'll catch cold in this wind. You never stop worrying, do you, Papa? Uh, I would have been happier to talk back in our warm apartment. You promised not to mention a word about my defection in the apartment. The center may be listening to every word we say. Karkov was not worried about what words he said in our apartment. I do not trust Yuri Karkov. He speaks his mind like someone who knows he has nothing to fear. I respect his position, not the man. But I didn't think I'd be punished for my promise by having to walk around in the freezing cold. Oh. A question, Papa. Why does the center permit you to accompany me to London? Do you think they suspect? Oh, if the center knew what was in your heart, they would not permit either of us to leave Russia. Karkov was frank. He wants me to keep an eye on you in London. His hands will be full worrying about the rest of your teammates. Then why don't you defect with me? Anatala, your mother's grave is here in Moscow. Mother would want us to be together. We will be together in Moscow. You cannot stop the love I feel for Roy. What I can do is stop you from defecting. I will not let you out of my sight for one moment in London. Comrade passengers, this is your pilot speaking. We have received clearance to land at Heathrow Airport. We will begin our descent shortly. To all members of the People's National Skating Team, we wish you great victory at the London Invitational Tournament. We are fortunate to hear Big Ben, comrades. Big Ben's chimes have not been ringing for some time. Now we must hurry if we are to make the tour of the Houses of Parliament. 
And the collar, what's wrong? I, I twisted my ankle on the curb back oh. there. Oh, there, there is a bench on oh. the corner. Come, 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 sit down. Comrade Zinoviev, what, what has happened? Anatolia twisted her ankle. Oh, no, not now. The tournament is tomorrow. Oh, I'm holding up the group. Uh, we, we can miss Parliament. The decline of English capitalist government is well documented. We don't have to see it firsthand. But it's, it's not fair to the others. I can take Anatolia back to the hotel if necessary. Otherwise, we wait for you here. This is highly out of order, Comrade Zinoviev. Anatolia's ankle may be an emergency, or it may be nothing at all. All right. If you need help, wave toward the river. A friend will come. I understand. All right, comrades. We'll come back for Anatala after the parliament tour. I knew the KGB watched us. Obviously, Kharkov wants no embarrassment. Excuse me, I'm a doctor. I noticed the young lady appears to be in pain. My daughter twisted her ankle. A little rubbing would help. Papa, uh, let the doctor examine my ankle. Oh, it hurts here, does it? Not half as much as my heart has hurt for the sight of you, my love. Papa, this is Roy Ayers. So, your ankle is only a little trick. Please don't look around, Mr. Zenobiev. Let us seem to concern ourselves with Anatala's ankle. You have not seen my daughter in two years. Are you wondering if I still love her? Of course I do. Anatala and I will marry. And then we'll skate together professionally. You could join us in London, Papa. A bus will stop near this bench any minute. The three of us could ride that bus to a new life. Anatala, you would leave me now? After I have given Kharkov my word, you would compete in the tournament? You owe Kharkov nothing. There is no other way. There is another way. Compete. Then leave me. No, Anatala, it's too risky. Let me see you compete internationally just once. You and I have worked so hard for this day. Karkov might find me out and I would lose Roy. I have said not a word to Karkov about Roy. These things I will do. I will never forgive you if you desert Russia, but I will also never stop loving you. I see how much you love this man. I pray he truly loves you. Come with me now. Give me time and I'll prove my love for you. Papa, you accept my wish to defect. Yes, with a broken heart. Then I will compete in the tournament. No, too many things could go wrong between today and tomorrow. The KGB knows we've met. They'll check me out. Mr. Ayers, you must promise not to interfere until after the tournament. This is between my daughter and me. Roy, I want you to do what my father asks. It goes against my better judgment. But you will do it. Yes, because you want me to. Darling, we will be together after the tournament. I do so hope we will. We will. double-decker bus on the Knightsbridge line is half full at ten in the evening. You wouldn't guess it by looking at them, but the smartly dressed Londoner and the Russian commissar Yuri Karkov, seated three rows away, have something more in common than the same stop. They have the same employer, the KGB. Pardon me, I did not mean to cut in front of you. Quite all right. We'll all get out the door. Yes, 
I always take the number 16 Knightsbridge when I travel to London. Uh, the neighborhoods along the way are so interesting. True, but these neighborhoods are not very English. Turn right at the corner. It is the best way. I recorded Antala Zenobia's conversation with her English lover this afternoon. You are right. She intends to defect. If she defects before the tournament tomorrow morning, then we will have our hands full. Oh, you won't believe our bloody luck. That fool of a father of hers made Roy Ayers promise not to go with Anatala to the authorities until after the tournament. We cannot count on Ayers keeping his promise. Love is an impulsive emotion, therefore dangerous. Yes, yes. Anatala must disappear tomorrow morning. Will you have our friend ready in time? I'm on my way to our friend now. I've given her a new face. I worked on the computer identifier the last four nights. <laughs> the colonel assured me that if anyone could make the transformation, you could. It isn't a question of if. It's a question of time. Our friend will be ready. Where does our friend stay? A safe house in the Soho district. A flat above the Swansdown pub, number three. I will have Anatala there tomorrow morning. Our friend's new identity will be completed by then. I think it's best to let Victor Zinoviev worry a little before we tell him what has happened to his daughter. He'll cooperate much more readily then. Oh, Zinoviev will cooperate because he's a great Russian patriot. <laughs> Your laugh as the mercenary's ring. I am a mercenary. For the winning side. Yes, who is it? Your skating coach and father. Good morning, Papa. Where are your roommates? Downstairs, still eating breakfast. <laughs> Anatoly, you surprised me. You haven't kissed me good morning since you made the national team. It was a kiss for luck. I don't know when I will have another chance to kiss you, Papa. Uh, we always hope there will come another chance, don't we? Always. Good morning, comrades. Uh, good morning, Commissar Karko. Did we sleep well? Very well, thank you. And you? I slept like a child. Victor, I was wondering if you would mind escorting the team on the bus to the tournament. No, I would not mind at all, but uh, aren't you coming too? I must go ahead to the hall and meet with the English officials. Uh, Anatala, since you are finished with breakfast, why don't you accompany me to the hall? I can promise you a head start on your warm-ups. I prefer to ride to the tournament with my father. No, 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 no. Go with Commissar Karkov. The more warm-up time you have on the ice, the less tension you will feel. You see what a wise Caught your father is? I know. Dosvedanya, Papa. Dosvedanya. We will see you at the tournament, comrade coach. Skaters, may I have your attention, please? We will begin with a 30 minute warm up period before we rehearse for the opening ceremonies. Ladies and gentlemen, the ice is yours. Comrade Commissar! Comrade Commissar! Yes, Victor, what is it? I'm on my way to a meeting with the judges. I can't find Anatala. Well, she's here. I brought her here to the hall myself only an hour ago. She's not on the ice. I already checked the dressing room. No one has seen Anatala. There are so many skaters on the ice. German, Spanish, English. Look again. Call me if you still can find her. I'll look one more time. Yes, look again. Ayers, over here. Mr. Zulia, are you mad? You promised you would not let Anatala defect until after the tournament. I've kept my promise. 
crazy. Stop lying to me, Anatoly. It's not here. I wondered why I didn't see her when the Russian team came out on the ice. Oh, my God. Then Anatoly has not yet defected. You fool, you've blown everything. The KGB must have it. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going? To get help for Anatoly? No, no. I will talk to her political commissar. That is all for the best. Now Anatoly will return to Russia where she belongs. Not if I can help it. Will Comrade Victor Zedevia please report to the judge's booth? Hey, Ernst, don't interfere. It's no good. Victor Zedevia, please report to the judge's booth immediately. Relax, Victor. Anatoly just called. Where is she? At the hotel. What little Anatoly ate for breakfast this morning has greatly upset her stomach. She will not be competing in the tournament. Anatoly was not ill when she left the hotel with you. Her stomach attack came on quite suddenly. I think it wise, comrade, that you return to the hotel and attend to your daughter. Karkov, you must tell me what has happened to my daughter. You forget yourself, comrade. Your daughter is at the hotel. <laughs> Do walk in, comrade Zinoviev. Who are you? Where is Anatala? My name is Blake, but I think you're more concerned about your daughter at the moment. Anatala is freshening up in the bathroom. She has a nasty stomachache. Hello, Father. Here's our little skater now. Anatala, why didn't you leave word for me? You are not Anatala. Keep calm, comrade. Believe me when I tell you there's nothing you can do about the situation. My disguise fooled even you. Only for a moment. Your voice would fool no one. I've taken care of that. Susan, I mean Anatala here, is ill. She's so weak she must speak in a whisper. What have you done to my daughter? Anatala is safe. Safe as long as you do exactly as you are told. You and your daughter have the honor of helping an important agent of the People's First Directorate return to Moscow. And who is that? Me. You do not understand. My daughter made plans to marry an English skater, Roy Ayers. Ayers will have the police here any minute. We know all about Ayers. When the police arrive, they will find that our Anatala has changed her mind. I could never give up my Russian heritage or my father. Naturally, to prevent any further embarrassment, you and my Anatala here will return to Moscow on tonight's Aeroflot flight. Help Susan pass through British immigration as your daughter, and we will see that Anatala is returned safely to you in Moscow. How do I know my Anatala is safe and will continue to be safe? Comrade, we are not monsters. Your daughter wanted to defect, but we forgive her mistake because you will help us in a very important matter. Anatala is a lucky girl. I can tell she has a loving father. All we ask is that you cooperate. I... Have no choice. Come, comrade. Those aren't the words of a true Russian patriot. My daughter's safety is my only concern. Good. Remember that concern tonight when you help Susan clear British immigration. Your Anatala's life depends on your success. Price again, and here's the fourth act of An International Sport. Deceiving British immigration will not be easy. Think of me as your daughter from now until the time we board the plane tonight, and you will deceive them. See, so was there, Victor? Yes. 
Who is it? Who is Mr. Zanofi? I brought the police. One moment. Susan, this will be your first performance as Anatella. I know my part. I lie on the bed, my uh-huh. face in profile at all times. Yeah, good, good. Victor, I'll be in the bathroom listening. Remember, your daughter's fate is in your hands. You are ready, comrade? Yes. Let them in. Ah, there she is. Thank God you found her, Mr. Zinoviev. Well, what's the matter, darling? Why is she lying down? Anatala has a bad stomach illness. Uh, this man with you is English police? That's right, Mr. Zinoviev. I'm Inspector Chambers of Scotland Yard Special Branch. Mr. Ayres had the distinct impression your daughter might be in some sort of danger. My daughter has a bad stomach, but it is nothing serious. No, I won't let you or the KGB take Anatala away from me. Inspector, it is true that Anatala once planned to defect to the West to marry this man, but last night we talked and my daughter <laughs> has come to her true feeling. Anatala, tell the inspector the truth. This is the truth. Our love is finished. They're forcing her to say these things. I want him out of here right away. Uh, we'd best leave, Mr. Ayers. Your young lady has obviously had a change of heart. No, wait. Now, we're leaving, Mr. Ayers. Come along. We both did that rather well. Thank you. The inspector had to drag Ayers out of the room. I'm proud of you, Victor. You were very convincing as the angry father. Yes. I am angry. Oh, you'll be happy when we send Anatala back to you in Moscow. Well, I must be off. You'll hear from Commissar Karkov before you leave for the airport. Good luck, comrade. Thank you. Comrade, you shouldn't worry. Once you help me take Anatala's place on the Moscow flight, our people will see she comes home to you. Would you believe that if you were me? Your bitterness annoys me. Think how bitter Commissar Karkov felt when he learned Anatala planned to defect. I will never forgive myself for stopping Anatala from defecting yesterday. She would be safe by now. You know what defectors are. Defectors are bad seeds, which must be made barren, so their roots all let go of my arm. Karkov said those very words to me in Moscow before Anatala and I left for the tournament. You know where Karkov has hidden Anatala, don't you? Yes, but what good will it do you if you hurt me or turn me over to the British? Anatala will die. When you live with wolves, howl like a wolf. Let Karkov find some other way to smuggle you out of England. Listen to me. The information I have is of paramount importance to Russia. No more important than my daughter's life. Where is she? A a flat above the Swanstown pub in Soho. Anatala had better be there when we arrive. We can't go there. The police were just here. They must be watching us. Then the police will see an old Russian father out for a walk with his pretty young daughter. You do realize that if I am not on the Moscow flight tonight, the center will hunt you and your daughter down until the day you die. The center leaves no room for compromises. Now get your coat. It's cold outside. Will you please speed this up, Karkov? Anatala's suicide note must appear authentic. What for? No one in the West will believe her death was a suicide after a full investigation. Her suicide is not intended for the West. It is the center's hope that when Anatala Zinoviev's love suicide is reported in Pravda, its message will not be lost on other Russian athletes entertaining thoughts of defection. Where is the vial? I left it open on the night table. 
<laughs> the newspapers will certainly point out that the prescription was filled in Roy Ayer's name. Uh, you will read for weeks about the beautiful Russian skater who tragically took her life because she was torn between separation from her father and the love of an English ice skater. I'll hear about it till it comes out of my ears. Let me put the suicide note and pen beside Anatala on the bed and we can leave. <laughs> The pub is through the door. Yes. This hallway leads to the flats upstairs in the pub. In which flat is Karkov holding Anatala? We could turn back now. I would never tell anyone you didn't cooperate. Tell me which door I want, or I will yell for everyone in that pub to come and help me find Anatala. Second door at the top of the stairs. You walk first up the stairs. This is one game you can't win. Walk! This room is supposed to be deserted. Put your gun away. Perhaps someone from the pub downstairs has lost his way. Answer it. I'll stand behind the door just in case. So, so, so uh, I mean, Anatala, what are you doing here? You had your agent's name right the first time, Karkov. Comrade Zinoviev, I did not see you hiding there in the hallway. Come inside the room before someone from the pub sees you. No. Things are to be done my way. I hold your agent in the hall until my daughter comes out to me. Conrad, I order you inside this room. Argue with me and I shout for the police. Anatala, come to your father. You betray Russia, Zinovia. What have you done to Anatala? She took a sleeping pill. Come in the room and I will explain everything. You explain now. Out of my way, Karkov. No, Blake, do not shoot him. Out of the way, he'll ruin us all. All right, Inspector Chambers here. Put the gun down, Blake, and kindly turn your weapons over to my men, gentlemen. I prefer that we do not have an international incident here this afternoon. This center will not forget who betrayed us, Zinoviev. I did not intend to betray you, but you took Anatala from me. Everyone inside the room, please. Ah, hello, Susan. I don't know you. No, you forget we met in Mr. Zinoviev's hotel room. I didn't realize what a striking resemblance Anatala Zinoviev bore to Susan Honeycutt until you had your little scene with Roy Ayers. Inspector Chambers, they gave my daughter sleeping pills. Ah, well, my men will ring for an ambulance. You have no idea what harm you have done to Russia. There's no place on earth you and your daughter can hide, Zinoviev. Retribution is a center's lifeblood. That's enough of your threat. I have diplomatic immunity. My two comrades will go to a British prison. But no, Zinoviev, you will die. I said that was enough. All right, take him away. And Natalia's pulse is very weak. Ah, one of you men make sure that ambulance is on its way. Paging Dr. Edwards. Paging Dr. Edwards. Mr. Zinoviev. Yes. Oh, oh, it's you, Roy. I rushed over here as soon as I got Inspector Chambers' call. How's Anatala doing? The doctors drained Anatala's stomach a little while ago. They said her condition is guarded. Oh, thank God for that. The way Chambers spoke on the phone, I feared the worst. Yeah. Sit down with me. <sighs> Did you hear who Anatala's imposter was? Susan Honeycutt. She was a top KGB agent Moscow wanted back badly. Something to do with NATO. No, no. I had not heard. Naturally. Anatala is all you've had on your mind. Yeah. 
Then you haven't even considered where you and Anatella will go once she recovers? Go? Well, you wouldn't be safe in London after what's happened. Inspector Chambers told me about Kharkov's threats. Perhaps Canada or maybe Australia would be good. Of course, there's always the United States. Uh, I'm too old to find a new homeland. You must look on the bright side of this. Anatala is alive and you can be together now. Things have worked out for the best. The best for who? For Anatala or British intelligence? I understand your bitterness. It's only natural. Especially with Kharkov's death threat hanging over your head. What hangs over my head does not worry me. But Kharkov is the past which will forever shape Anatala's future. That is why I am bitter. It's simply that Anatala will never be able to skate in amateur competition again. Yeah. What about you? You mean, will I give up skating for Anatala? Anatala gave up everything for you, her country, her career. She was even prepared to abandon her father. All for you. I hope you will at least be a man and tell Anatala how you feel. I intend to, Mr. Zinoviev. Excuse me, Mr. Zinoviev. Yes? Your daughter is awake now. The doctor said you could go in and see her for a few minutes. Thank you. How about you, young man? Are you coming with me? I am. permitting only a brief visit. We will remember. Anatala? Anatala, my little bird. Papa. <laughs> That's the voice of my little bird. Oh, my stomach hurts so. Karkov drugged you. Karkov, I remember. Karkov made me write something about Roy. What happened to Roy? I'm right here, darling. Roy. Oh. Don't stand so far from the bed. Please give me your hand. Roy and I have been talking. Your hand is cold, Roy. Sorry. I'm a little nervous. But why? We're safe now, aren't we? Yes, Anatala. We are very safe now. Then why are you nervous, Roy? Because there's something I want to ask you. Anatala, would you marry me? Oh. Of course I will. This one question from your lips is what I've dreamed of for two long years. You've made me a very happy man. Oh, I'm so happy, too. Papa, do we have your blessing? This is real? Yes, sir. This is very real. Oh, Papa. Must you ask? Just look at us. Da. <laughs> da. Yes. Yes, we must celebrate with a little vodka. Uh, sometime soon. But I think right now Anatala's doctor would veto any alcoholic celebration. <laughs> I'm so happy. I forgot my daughter is sick. We can still toast with our hearts. Papa, wherever we call home, our hearts will be in the right place. <laughs> The Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, An International Sport, was written by Bruce Martin and produced and directed by Fletcher Markle. 
Your host was Vincent Price. Our stars were Shepard Mankin, Antoinette Bauer, and Larry Moss. Featured in the cast were Len Berman, Ben Wright, Richard Peel, and June Whitley-Taylor. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliott Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CVI. This is Cicely Tyson. Join us tomorrow when I'll have another story that illustrates one of love's many faces. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main Mutual Audio Network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.